Welcome to the Dividend Cafe weekly market commentary focused on dividends in your portfolio and dividends in your understanding of economic life. Hello and welcome to today's COVID and Markets podcast brought to you by the Dividend Cafe of the Bonson Group. It is Tuesday, September 22nd, and we have had another eventful day in the markets. The market action on Monday had dropped uh, 500 points, and and that came after being down about 1,000. So it really rallied back uh, about half of that on Monday. But then uh, today, the market was up 140 points in the Dow. It was up higher than that on a percentage basis. With the S&P and the NASDAQ, there was one particular um, big tech stock that was largely uh, behind that movement today. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty, volatility, and unknowns in the market. Um, Allegedly, a big catalyst in the drop-off in markets yesterday, and you see the continued uh, pressure in financials today even as the market was higher, is a report that had come out Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, allegedly um, referring to a a bunch of global banks, large ones, uh, that over a 20-year period of investigation from 1997 to 2017 had numerous incidents of moving illicit funds and not following anti-money laundering uh, procedures and things like that. So look, this may all seem kind of in the weeds, but um, there, when you get like tape saying things about potential uh, financial regulatory issues and then uh, the talk of another lockdown in the United Kingdom, which strikes me as utterly uh, insane, but uh, who knows? And then in terms of the ongoing political and societal drama in the U.S., um, particularly in the aftermath of Justice Ginsburg's passing over the weekend, then, you know, there's not really any need at all for market having excuse, uh, especially after the several thousand points of, of movement. Um, so I, I wouldn't read too much into it at this point. And, and I, after I go through kind of the COVID news of the day, we'll come back with a couple other comments on on market metrics, but let's go ahead and go around the horn and and uh, take it from there. Look, uh, there is uh, on the COVID health side. There, I don't really know what to tell you. If you're reading reports or headlines about confirmed cases growing, it's kind of absurd. Um, there's a reduction in cases. The, the 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 growth of that reduction has most definitely slowed, um, largely uh, because of the very, very heavy student testing that is currently being done that is uh, largely pushing that positivity rate lower because so many are testing negative. And then as we've talked about over and over and over again, where there are positive tests with students, the vast, vast, vast majority of those numbers are very asymptomatic or light symptomatic or mild symptomatic, uh, but ultimately non-severe. Um, there also is a change in methodology in both Arizona and Texas's technical reporting, which would have created an even lower positivity ratio um, in terms of how their data is calculated. But uh, my general feeling is that I do sense a new round of media um, hysteria coming, and I, I could be being pessimistic or cynical, but uh, as far as the data that a lot of people are really focused on, which is 
um, saving lives, less people being severely sick, um, you know, the, that kind of stuff. Uh, everything is definitely moving in the right direction. And hopefully with ongoing uh, preventative measures and improved therapeutics and um, immunity thresholds and things like that, um, hopefully those numbers go even lower. Uh, by the way, speaking of lower numbers, Center for Disease Control updated on their website today, the infection mortality rate estimates. They did it by age group. Um, and it is much lower than previously been thought, the survival rate in their current best estimate for people ages 20 to 49 is uh, 99.98%. Um, for those zero to 19, it's, you know, the, the fatality ratio is 0. 0.000003. So I think that's a survival rate of very, very close to 100%. But um, look, the, the reality is on the, you know, the specific numbers are updated and, and helpful and, and sure would have been, you know, nice if everyone could have gotten that right six months ago, but we couldn't have expected anyone to get it right six months ago. You know, they, I'm not critical of, of the experts for having some of these things wrong six months ago because they were modeling it based on what they knew or feared at the time. And a lot of those things turned out to be different. But right now, I do think most people would probably be encouraged. Obviously, there's still mortality that takes place. There's about an estimated 5% fatality rate for those over the age of 70. And, and so obviously, it's a little, it's around 95% of a survival rate. That's good. But 5% of 70-year-olds who, who are infected is a high number. And, and so I don't really say any of this at all to make light of that. But I do think the overall context of total infections and where that mortality rate is, particularly with really young people, it's, it's very encouraging and um, grateful to the CDC for continuing to update their website data. Not a lot of attention in the U.S. press for the surge of cases throughout Europe. There, you know, there's a, a number of reasons that may, that may be. I'll let everyone else kind of think through all that. Um, Maybe the press, though, has just decided because Europe is not seeing an uh, increase in hospitalizations and deaths that the mere existence of cases is not so significant, and so they're not reporting it as heavily. I'm not sure. Um, by the way, I do have a wonderful chart uh, that, that Sweden's Health uh, Center put together showing um, week by week by week over the last 10 or 11 weeks, the total number of tests conducted in Sweden and the positive rate. And, and it's pretty amazing to see a positivity rate down around 1% multiple weeks in a row, um, even as a lot of their European neighbors are moving uh, much higher in that positivity rate. And I, I, I think a lot of scientists are of the opinion that may reflect some degree of herd immunity, but um, I'll just keep doing my research every day and seeing, seeing what we come up with there. Okay, what else do we got here? Um, you do have uh, daily cases that uh, with higher testing have, have not moved a lot and that's why the positivity rate has dropped. By the way, and in, in specifically in California, uh, for the Orange County listeners, the positivity rate uh, seven day average is now down to 3.1%. The um, cases per 100,000 people is now 3.6 uh, per day. So, that, that would be moving California, Orange County to a lower tier 
a risk in the eyes of the state of California, but um, it has to stay there for 14 days before they'll do that. So we'll keep you posted. Um, you can be assured that I'll be watching it every day. Um, in New York, I did put a chart at covidmarkets.com today that fascinates me. It was put together by uh, Bloomberg and it kind of aggregates on top of each other a chart of the largest office landlord stock in Europe, excuse me, in New York, the daily open table reservations for dining in New York City, and the total turnstile entries uh, at the MTA, the, the, the New York subway system. And what you see is just this obvious ghastly drop of all that economic activity and back in March. And then you just see this really slow, but really steady diagonal move up higher where um, the subway use has tripled from its bottom, but it is still down, you know, 70%. Um, and you see uh, about a, you know, uh, the restaurants were obviously down 100% and they're still down about 79%, but that's with no inside of restaurants open yet. That starts next week. So I kind of like this, these three different metrics put together, and I expect to see a lot of correlation there as a way of just sort of tracking economic activity in New York City. Um, and I'm here. I fly back to California tomorrow, but I mean, I've been here for a month. I can tell you, no question, things were so desolate, and then we're just less desolate and less desolate, and each day picking up a little bit and um, looking forward to where that story goes. Okay, well, outside COVID world into the world of stocks, um, definitely a spike in companies that are below their 20-day their low um, and yet still overall market in an uptrend well above its 200-day moving average. So, you know, from a technical standpoint, uh, the, those technician types of which I am not one tend to really like that kind of thing. Um, and the, what I am more interested in, though, is the breadth um, of the market, uh, that equal weight S&P if it can kind of hold uh, so its levels uh, of support, I think that bodes well for a broader market strength. Most of the month, what you had seen in weakness in the market was reserved in big technology. And in the last uh, couple of days, that definitely democratized out into other sectors a bit. Now, uh, the overall market is still far outperformed NASDAQ and big tech on the month. But we want to see if indeed this spills over further or if it stays contained. Public policy front, I really don't know. Um, I would not be paying any attention to any of the pundits on the news on this because I don't think any of them know either. But is the uh, obviously significant noise and heat and, and disagreement and all the whatever, you can use any nouns or adjectives or verbs you want, around um, the Supreme Court opening brought on by the passing of Justice Ginsburg uh, will that have a factor, will that be a factor in getting the fourth round of stimulus relief bill done? You make an argument either way. My view continues to be um, I'm, I'm skeptical one's going to get done. But I'm adamant one's not going to get done unless it, Speaker Pelosi believes it is in her best interest for the House Democrats politically and that the White House will not do it unless they believe it's in their best interest politically. And right now, both parties, as best I can tell, believe it's in their best interest to not do a deal. So therefore, I don't think a deal will get done. Um, whether or not different things around the, the Ginsburg side play into it, I really can't say. Um, 
By the way, oil and energy, WTI crude has really bucked the trend. You had the markets off yesterday. Oil still sitting in right around $40 a barrel. I think that um, is interesting. I also would point out, in addition to oil prices, uh, structured credit in the last couple of days of enhanced equity volatility has performed well. So that, again, it's not ever foolproof, but it's another indicator that it doesn't seem to be as fully macrocentric in, in what we're seeing with the equity side. Some good information on housing in uh, uh, COVID markets today, a chart on the Google searches for new homes. It's definitely dipped. You still have mortgage applications up 20% year over year, but it was up 30% year over year. You still have a very high uh, optimism figure for the NEHB Builder Survey Index. Uh, existing home sales were even higher in August than uh, July. Um, the inventories are very lean, low level since about 1999, uh, which I think, you know, you're, you're going to need new housing supply to balance prices. That's a fact. Um, and finally, I uh, am going to be repeating some of the section in Dividend Cafe this week uh, or elaborating on it, but uh, some comments on the Federal Reserve that I think are important um, around the clarity of what they're doing in quantitative easing and the assist that they're giving um, implicitly and explicitly to asset markets, capital markets, asset prices, and, and what that looks like. I would, I would pay attention to it. I'm going to leave it there for the night. Reach out with any questions. And thank you, as always, for listening to the COVID and Markets podcast of the Dividend Cafe. The Bonson Group is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk. There is no guarantee that the investment process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. The Bonson Group and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the Bonson Group and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for any related questions.